Welcome to Visibility on Purpose, the podcast. We've created a community of business owners with a spiritual backbone who know that they are here to make an impact and be seen on top tier media, create relationships with high profile experts and speak on massive stages. And let's be honest, more exposure equals more money and we are so here for that too. We're Bridget and Lydia, time to step into your visibility era. Good. I'm excited to chat today. So um, for anyone who is joining us, welcome to the pod. We have Brianne Hogan with us today. She is an incredible writer. I actually used to pitch her um, years ago at my old agencies, and we only connected when I started working for myself, which was really cool. Um, Both of us have a lot of topics that we like to chat about, like spirituality and wellness. So more about Brienne. She is a Canadian that lived in New York City for a while and went to school in at NYU. She has an acting background. I feel like she's lived like I was just telling her like a thousand lives. <laughs> um, she has an acting background. She has written. She was working on a screenplay for a right for a while. I believe that turned into and she can talk about this more, but um, that turned into maybe writing a show pilot. She has published two books with Adams Media and Running Press, respectively, and she also contributes to 60 online publications, all top tier, spanning from the Washington Post to BBC, Men's Health, Elle. She, we connected on She Knows for a couple of my clients. Um, so she's really so seasoned in this space. I can't wait to chat with her. I'm going to kind of move the mic over to Bridget and let her ask a lot of the questions because I feel like I know Brianne so much. We work together a lot. Uh, so it'll just be a really fun combo. But if anyone has any question today about um, what it's like to pitch a writer that is contributing to these top tier publications, feel free to mention it in the chat. Um, this is live, so we will read some of them if they do come through today. But anyways, Brian, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lydia and Bridget. So, so cool to be here. I've never done a live on Facebook, so. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> we love our Facebook community. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here. And yeah, I'm, I'm also like open to any questions. I, I can take all sorts of questions ranging from writing to pitching to like John Mayer to anything like that. <laughs> We're going to talk about John Mayer. Whoever's <laughs> listening, we have a shared love. I mean, she's definitely, I think more of a dedicated fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. You went to his recent concert. Let's just start with, let's just start with John Mayer. Let's get him out. Of- <laughs> I need to know now. <laughs> yeah. Lydia and I talked about it all in my podcast. So I have a, I have a podcast too. And because we talked about our shared background in music. Like I interned yes. at, at a music management company while I was in NYU and happened to be John Mayer's former management company, which I didn't know at the time. I thought it was his current one. So when I got the job, I was like, what the hell? Like he's not even here anymore. So that was so devastating. And they didn't have me sign an NDA. So well, and so I got into their database. I found out where he lived. <laughs> <laughs> And I found out his email address, which I have to say I never use because I, you know, I I have standards for myself. (laughs) But um, since then, I've seen him in concert like eight or nine times and I have lost count because it's been a lot. And I've seen him solo. Like I have no qualms about like going to a concert by myself, like especially John Mayer concert. Actually, that's just a John Mayer concert (laughs) by myself. And I've seen him in the comedy cellar. 
anyways, I could go for a long time because I used to waitress at the comedy cellar. My mom, who knew my obsession with John Mayer, she was like, what is if you see him at the comedy cellar? And I was like, mom, he's not even into comedy. He's a musician. Well, he was at the comedy cellar. Wow. And so I met him. So anyway, and he always went to the comedy cellar afterwards. It's like his thing, right? So anyways, I'm just saying, you never know. Have have dreams for yourself because you never know. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be John Mayer in the comedy cellar. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. Cellar. Gosh, it's so good. He, Bridget, you definitely are a fan too, right? You He's know so what? Good. I don't really listen to his music that much. I mean, like I know the classics, of <laughs> course. Like every girl probably knows all of his classic music, but I don't really listen to him that much. So maybe this is like a resurgence of of my connection. Like, thank you so much, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just spreading the John love. I know he's going to get a lot of hate soon because Taylor's bringing out her new album or reissuing her 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 old one with the the Dear John song in it. So she recently said, like, guys, don't bully John. Well, in other words, that's what she said. And anyways, I was like, I'm team John. So sorry, Swifties. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Taylor Swift, she's just not for me. <laughs> I hope I don't get a lot of hate. <laughs> but I'm also team John Mayer too. So yeah. I, I, oh my gosh, that's like one of the things that I didn't even mention in the intro. Of course, our music background, which is so funny. I really feel like you've lived a million lives and we have so many things in common too. Um, but I love that about you. And it's so funny because on her podcast, I think we talked about this. Like I, when I was interning in college for RCA records, it was the same record label that had the strokes. And I'm a big fan of the strokes. And I remember opening their folder and being like, (laughs) (laughs) just like reading through emails that they had saved. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I'm one step. I'm like one foot away from them. This is amazing. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought, right? Because you're just like so close or you think so. I'm like, I'm so close to John. Yeah, like I'm exclusive. But anyways, <laughs> gosh, so funny. So if anyone else <clears throat> is like huge fans of John Mayer and the Strokes, like you heard it here. But um, <laughs> switching over to the conversation of writing and um, and pitching and all of that, Bridget, I would love for you to just start the conversation here on so many things. You actually had a really good question. Um, well, we've been talking about like so many amazing questions. So it's going to be a very hot hot episode. I do have like a number like written down, but I'm always the person who wants to know, you know, how you entered this world. And I'm hearing Mm -hmm. like, you've been a writer for a long time, whether it was in the acting and and music and screenwriting world. And now it's, you know, writing and um, contributing to these big publications. Like, did you have the journal growing up? Were you the girl with the diary who was writing at a young age? Yes, um, I was, but I didn't think I wanted to be a writer. So that's kind of weird because I was the person who was like the little girl with the diary, the little girl who had like the longest stories in class. Like everyone would barely like get out a paragraph and I was like banging out 10 pages. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like at nine years old, I was like, look at my story. And um, and then when I was in high school, like I would write because I wasn't really popular in high school. I'd stay home on the weekends and I would just write scripts. So I was writing like X-Files scripts. I was like, I think I wrote an ER script. Like I would go into a medical dictionary and I was like, I'm not gonna research all these terms for my ER wow. script. So it was always there, but I really wanted to be an actress. So that's why I went to NYU. And it wasn't until 
um, I think it was always there. Like I said, like I was, I was doing some classes, like even after I graduated, but I still didn't get the message that like, this was something I should pursue. Cause I was just so tunnel visioned on acting. And sometimes when you attach yourself to an identity of like what you think you need to be, it's like, it's really hard to let go of that. Like there's a lot of shame attached. There's a lot of like, oh, I need to do this because I said I was going to do it rather than just like letting yourself flow into where life's taking you. So it wasn't until I was actually in acting school. So I left NYU and then I, I went to Lee Strasberg for about a year to do, to do acting. And there was a playwriting class and I was writing a play and, or like little plays. And I was so nervous about sharing my work. I remember I was like the last person to share my work. I was like, oh my God, I suck. I'm like, this is so bad. And then I shared it and like everyone like loved my play and I was getting so much like good feedback and I felt like so energized by it. And I was like, oh my God, like, am I good? Like I'm a good writer. And so I just started to write more plays and then I actually ended up producing them by myself and I get my acting friends and we put them on. And then I, I was just like, this is what I wanna do. Like, I don't want to wait for a phone call as an actor, you're always waiting for someone to give you a job. And I wanted to take more control and autonomy over my own life. And also like, I loved writing and I just didn't realize how much I loved it until, until it was back in my life again at like 25, 26. So that's another tip for people. If you think you have to have figured it out at 25, 26, get out of town. Like, no way. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're fine. Like you don't need to get shit figured out before 30. No, but anyway, so that that led me to go back to Toronto. So I'm from Toronto originally. I left New York again, super hard because it was like, I was going to make my dreams come true in New York. I lived there for eight years and to come back home and live with my parents, mm. you know, that's a huge thing. And you're just like, Oh my God, like what a loser. Like there's a lot of shame attached again, tail between your whole, like your legs, all that stuff. But Again, that's just bullshit because that's just your ego. It's not really the reality of who you are. And it was just leading me to back to who I really was. So in Toronto, I'm still writing plays, but I was like, I should make money from writing. Like I'm not gonna, I wasn't making any money from my plays. Um, I wrote a play about John Mayer, by the way. So, <laughs> so just, I just wanna circle, I just wanna circle back to that. Yeah, and we, we produced it in Hollywood, the Hollywood Fringe Festival. I really thought he was gonna come didn't happen <laughs> well thank god you still have his email so you can just send it to him <laughs> yeah I know imagine imagine if it still works it's like it, it's engraved in my mind that I still have it anyway anyway so <laughs> I, I started um blogging and then I went to Craigslist and because Craigslist was like a thing to go to get jobs back in the day I, I don't know if it still is I I don't I don't go there anymore <laughs> but I found some gigs and it was just a matter of me just like pretending I was a writer in the beginning. So I, cause I didn't have any clips. I didn't really have any background, but I knew I was a good writer. I think inside of me, I, I, I had that confidence from the beginning. And I, I was just like, I, I can write about makeup. I can write about like whatever they had. Like I was just like oh, real estate. I wrote about real estate. I was like, yeah, I can write about real estate. Like it was just anything at the beginning just to build my portfolio and just start doing it. And then I landed um, like a pretty steady freelance gig at a local magazine in Toronto. And then eventually they bumped me up to editor. There's a garbage truck. 
in my background. So just ignore that. Um, and then, and then I just, I didn't resonate with being an editor. Like that wasn't for me. Like I was just, I'm a writer. I'm not an editor. So I quit and I, and I did freelancing. And again, it was just kind of building every byline, every byline, every byline. Making connections is very important in the industry. So it's kind of like forming those really good connections with editors really helped me a lot and being like, okay, like I need a job. Can you help me out? And just kind of being so like ruthless in that way, but it's because you have to take care of yourself. You have to just ask for what you want. So that helped me a lot. And yes, 60 publications later. So here I am. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, what's funny. And I don't know if you two have talked about it, but both of you have said that you never thought you were a good writer like in the beginning Lydia talks about like in college and stuff she was like I'm not a good writer I don't like writing and now most of you know what she did with her agency is writing so you guys have that in common I have no idea if you guys have ever talked about that though I don't know if we have no because yeah because I usually interview you I'm not the one being interviewed so I guess maybe that didn't come up yeah I don't think it came up but that's so interesting to me because I've read at this point millions of your of your articles and even like yesterday I think on LinkedIn you posted like I love writing about sex and I was like I, I wanted to post and be like I love reading about it and then I was like yeah, is LinkedIn the place <laughs> <laughs> I know right I was a little trepidatious of even posting that article on LinkedIn but I was like that's my bread and butter I write a lot yeah. about sex and relationships and I'm sex positive and uh, I think there needs to be more writers female writers in that space and I, I posted something about ethical porn on there the other day. They wouldn't, sh- they wouldn't let me show the link. I saw that article too. And I was yeah. like, huh, what? I didn't open that one, but I was like, what is ethical porn? That's such yeah. a cool topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, but LinkedIn wouldn't let me show the preview mm. of the article because it has porn in the title. Interesting. So, but, but anyway, um, there's no porn in the article. I'm just talking about it. But (laughs) (laughs) there's no links, everyone. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. So I don't know how we got into onto sex and porn, but yeah. So that's that's what I write about anyway. (laughs) Well, I have actually a question about you know some of your bylines or you know subjects of these the pieces that you've done. Like, where do you source your inspiration? Because I even like wrote one of them down. It was like maybe your divorce needs a party. I'm like, that's freaking genius. Like, where are your ideas coming from? Like, what are you connected to yourself? The divine? Are you reading and researching? Like, where does your creativity come from? Well, now that I kind of know my my lane, so it's either like sex and relationships or like lifestyle, like fitness. I do a lot of fitness and wellness because I I have a background in personal training. Uh, to talk about one of my lives so that's part of it <laughs> and um and then I just integrated that into my writing so that helps a lot so now I can be like yeah I'm a personal trainer so I can write about fitness and then of course the magic stuff that Lydia and I've had worked on together so I know my lane so when it comes to pitching it's like okay like what am I interested in honestly in the beginning it was a lot of like what are the trends? Not to say that I don't do that now because SEO is super important. So you, you kind of have to know what's trending on Google in order to form a good pitch that editors will actually take. Um, but I find like pitches in my everyday life. Like I was talking to a friend the other day and she was talking to me about like, she's shorter. And so she was talking about having sex with taller guys. And I was like, that's such a great topic. I'm going to pitch that. And I did. And I did. And so, and that just published a couple of weeks ago. So 
I'm always on the lookout of like, what's going on in my life? Like there was a time where a friend was asking to borrow money. And I was like, I don't know, but that's a good topic to write about. about like. <laughs> so I was like, what do you do when a friend asks you to borrow money? Like, you know, so if you just look around of like what's happening in your life, like the little, even like the littlest bits of conversation doesn't have to be this huge topic. It can just be like just someone asking to borrow money or someone talking about their sex life. It's like, oh, I think there might be a story there. So for me as a writer, and I just think as a creative person, I'm always thinking there's a story. So I live my life as a story. Well, not purposefully, but like, I just think I'm like, oh, like what, how I'm living my life. There's something to be shared there. There's, there's a, there's something to be, um, either I'm sharing information or uh, because I like to write like personal stories, like maybe there's something to like share with other people that they can inspire them or resonate with. So yeah, I just look around everywhere. Gosh, I love that. And it's so funny that you said that because I always joke with my clients. I'm like, I feel like I live my life as headlines. (laughs) Something will pop in my head and I'm like, that's genius. I'm going to pitch it. And then it's like the seal of approval when a writer's like, oh, I'm going to go with this angle. And I'm like, wow, look at me. But it's, (laughs) it's so funny. I, I feel like I live the same way where something will happen that will inspire me. Um, and then I'll have like a connection to a client and I'll send it out to my writers. And it's so fun to be able to do that because I have a relationship with you. I have a relationship with a lot of other writers um, throughout the industry. So I kind of know like who is going to be interested in what. So mm-hmm. there will be days where something will pop in my head and I'm like, oh, Brian would really love this. I'm going to pitch it to her and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that you think about me like that because that's the type of connections too that I'm referring to. It's not just with me and my editors but we've talked like a lot about like having good relationships with PR because mm-hmm. we need each other and yep. it's a, and it's a love hate relationship a lot, but we need each other. So. <laughs> it is actually before we hopped on Bridget asked me, she was like, do you still pitch her to this day? And I was like, I do. And sometimes she doesn't respond. And sometimes I'm like, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Well, that's what, that's, that's no just per- the relationship. That's and just, there's yeah. 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 And there's no bad blood. I know that you're busy and I know that we're friends. And so, and we have a great relationship. And if you don't respond to me, that just means that my pitch is not something that you're interested in. And I literally don't think twice about it. I'm just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Or it's not that I don't even like the pitch. It's just like, I don't have a place for the right, pitch. Or that. And, I, yeah. and, and I think that needs to be actually like reiterated to people. Like it's like, mm. they're like, oh, my pitch sucks. And it's like, you could have a great pitch. It's just like, I don't have the place not the for time. it. It's not the time. Um, people, editors might not be looking for that right now. As I mentioned, it's a lot of SEO based stuff. So, yeah. and, and that, and that takes a lot away from the creativity of a writer and even from PR, but it is the reality of the industry. So it's like, it's not that you, you have a really sucky pitch. It's just like, I don't know what to do with this at the moment. So yeah. it, it's a lot of it is timing. And a lot of it is just trusting that the story will come when the story is meant to come. So, yeah. Yeah. Bridget posted about this the other day and I know she's probably, we have like weird telepathy. I know she's thinking this right now, which cracks <laughs> me up, <laughs> but um, what I've been doing recently and what we teach a lot in visibility on purpose is 
kind of connecting um, story angles to, of course, like making sure that they make sense, but connecting them to trends. So recently I did a pitch, which I don't even think I sent to you. So maybe I'll send it later tonight. Um, but the headline was Soft Girl Summer Anxiety Not Invited. And so Soft Girl Summer is something that I've been seeing a lot on TikTok, um, basically related to like having a chill summer instead of like going out and going like girls gone wild. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a trend. And so thinking about how can we connect trends with our expertise? Um, there was one story angle I pitched for a client, a lucky girl syndrome was like going viral. I'm sure mm. you saw it probably maybe even wrote about it, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was that manifestation topic that was going viral January, February. And I pitched a client who loved to speak on the topic and she ended up getting a full feature in pop sugar, which was really fun. Mm. So there's different ways that we can utilize the trends um, to work in our favor instead of, um, not instead, but like it is kind of frustrating because we do need to think about SEO and it's like, all right, fine, this is the reality. So like, how can we work with it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that trend about soft girl summer, I like it. I feel like I'm in my soft girl <laughs> summer era right now. So I'm here for it. So um Maybe we can talk about it. Yeah, maybe, I'll send maybe, it over. Maybe I I can write about it and talk about my own experience as well. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> That'll be fine. Yeah, I'll send it over for sure. But I'll, I'll hand the mic over to Bridget because I can tell she's got some questions. Well, it's so funny, Lydia, because like what you just said was kind of part of my question. And it's really about like for the people in our audience, right? They're they're thinking to themselves, how can I make myself stand out when mm -hmm. I am pitching myself to writers? So I'm also hearing like, we should be doing our own knowledge about what's going on in the industry, what's trending right now, like just what people are searching, what's timely, relevant, and newsworthy. And the other question is like, how can the individual stand out, especially when they're pitching themselves versus like an agency? Like what's the difference and how can we be more human in our pitches, especially to people like you? Um, that's a good question. I think for, as a writer, when I'm getting pitches, I only get pitches from PR or sources like I'll go and help a reporter I don't like going on there because people don't follow the rules and I've talked about this before where it's like I'm asking a question about like I don't know like a, a medical tip and some guy who owns like a weed whacking business will chime in and I'm like I don't <laughs> think you have like medical expertise why are you chiming in I will not be using you as a source so one um don't don't respond to pitches or pitch something that has is not related to the editor or the writer mm. so know who you're pitching to and and know your lane so like don't go out of it don't be like well I'm not getting responses for what I do but I'm going to try to do this it's like well you're not that then don't be that because mm -hmm. that doesn't work and you're also not being authentic to yourself so I think the biggest thing like why I responded to Lydia so well I think it's because her pitches were just like really personal and they were really like they were vibey but not in an annoying way <laughs> like like you could tell that there was a lot of excitement and passion behind what she was sharing and that does come through it really does like you can see that through emails right and you can through a text message if someone everyone knows it's a little telepathy like i mean you can read something you're like Ugh. or you get a nice vibe from them so i think when your intention is pure, I think that really does show up in, in your work. So I know it's, it's not like a concrete, like answer, like people really want practical things. And I guess the most practical advice I can say is just to know like what, what you do, who you are, and why you do it. 
Mm. And, and then come from that place of like, because to me, if you, if you know the answers to all those three questions, you're going to come from a place of authenticity. You're going to come from a place of excitement. So I think that's really like winning to me. Like that's really like, you know, you want to get to know people like that. You want to, and as I said, like Lady just said, I don't answer her email sometimes, but like we have a relationship. So yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you want to still build a relationship. So even if you're not getting a pitch sold to somebody, if you're building a relationship, like that's key. Like that's, that's what you want to build first. I don't think you want to build me, 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 me. Cause that's kind of a turnoff too. Yeah. Cause then it's like, I don't, I don't want to work with someone who's all about you. Like I want to, like we're working together and it needs to be a team. It needs to be a collaboration. Like you're helping me, I'm helping you. So if you're all about like, cause some, some pitches are just like, they don't care. They're just, they just really want the, the, the byline. They really want the whatever, like that's what they want. They want the headline. They want to say, oh, I was featured in Vogue or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but it has to be more than that. It has, it has to mean more than that. So I think that that comes across in a pitch. I feel like it's just, everything comes back to relationships. And I like how you said it's, it is this relay between both parties. Like you're important too. So is the person who's sending the pitch. So how can you guys like collaborate as a team? It just feels like very age of Aquarius also in general to me, instead (laughs) of like, you know, you're above me or I'm below you. It's like, Hey, how can we party together and make some magic and just see what happens? So I love that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like it is a, it is a mutual relationship. Like you're going to, you're going to provide me with information. I'm writing the fucking thing. So, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't have any concern on this thing, but, but I am like, that's me. Okay. Okay. So, so that's me. Like I'm doing a lot of the legwork, right? So like it's, it is, you know, you have to give some credit to the writer. It can't just be about like, I want to be famous or like whatever. It's like, we have to work together because I want to make my story good. And if I make my story good, you look good. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I'm thinking now that we're on this topic, can you tell us a little bit about what your experience is as a writer, like what your day-to-day looks like so people can really understand, because like you said, you do do a lot of the legwork, like, especially as a contributor, you're also pitching your editors. And so just a little background would be, I think, really helpful for the audience. Yeah. Yes. It's not Carrie Bradshaw. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm I'm rewatching. Yeah, yeah, like a little bit, a little bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> I was rewatching the series, and then like the, uh, the last episode I watched, she's like, "I'm on a deadline." I'm like, "Get out of here!" Like, whatever. <laughs> you don't like find sweat. I know one, one column, one column that she's writing, and she's on a deadline. I was like, "Get out!" Anyway, so I write for multiple publications as a as a regular contributor, and if I don't want to just keep those guys I obviously have to pitch myself I have to be like anyone else and I have to pitch an editor at a publication that I don't write for who who doesn't know me um so that's that's a whole other level of stress and anxiety that I think anyone else who who's on the call could relate to because it's the same thing I got to do the same thing and then so for me with my editors that I do work with on a daily basis yeah it's me pitching ideas to them either on a weekly basis on a day um no not daily I really try not to do daily because that's a lot but like weekly or monthly and then I usually get my articles from some editors who 
do the SEO legwork so they kind of know what their audience is looking for. They they've looked up the trends already, and so mm. they they know they know what I write. So for example, today I got a couple of assignments for July, and it's in the sex space and relationship space. So okay, like I know what I'm writing, but so it's me getting all my pitches, getting all the assignments from the editors, um, having my own deadlines for that, and then sourcing. So then I have to source the best sources for those particular pieces. Because I've had a long career, I know a lot of people, so I don't have to really outreach too much to new people. But sometimes I'm stuck. Sometimes a source doesn't can't come through. Um, sometimes I want to use somebody new because you know you want to freshen things up a little bit. So it's again me having to look for those people. Like, are they good? Are they credible? Like all that stuff. And it's interviewing them, making up the questions, interviewing them. I try to do emails. I think that's easier for everybody. Uh, I know it's a lot of work on both ends, but I just think your words are, are you get, I can talk to you on the phone and I can transcribe it. A lot of the times you won't say what you really want to say. And I've done this, and I've done this multiple times. Like in the beginning of my career, it was all phone calls. Now we're kind of at a place where it's okay to do email interviews. Like it's more of a standard. But at the beginning, it was all phone, all phone calls, all me transcribing those phone calls to talk about even more added labor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and then and then people being like, I don't like what I said, and I was like, but you said it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you didn't articulate it the way you wanted to articulate it. Fine, that's true but you said it and I can't make it, I can't change your words for you either, you know? So that's why the email interview is better for everyone in the long run. We have a written copy of what you've actually said. So we know that those are your words and you can also better articulate what you want to say. Like instead of, you know, when you're just talking off the cuff, a lot of the times you don't really accurately say what you want to say. So written kind of works in both of our ways so anyway so then I do that and then I gotta and then I have to write and then I have to write and I let me tell you something so I mean like writing is hard like I've been doing this a long time I love writing but sometimes it's you gotta you gotta you gotta write it and you have to make it good at least I do it's like I have high standards for myself and and for the publications that I write for so um and so that's hard so if you don't if you if you're not a writer Good luck. I mean, good. I mean, you're lucky, I guess, because like being a writer is like it's hard. And then you have to write all the articles that I write about. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many a month I write. Maybe 30, 30, 40 wow. articles wow. a month. Maybe, maybe 30. I write That's a lot. Amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. And I feel like it's so funny because I, I feel the same way too when I'm writing pitches. Like if I am not feeling inspired or I feel like the pitch is not really good, like it kind of frustrates me and I'm like, uh, and then I need to take a break and like, think about how am I going to get re-inspired? So I'd love to hear um, how you get re-inspired about what, when you're writing so many articles, because I'm, I'm sure you bump up against this where you're like, I don't feel like writing about this right now, but I have to. And I also want to, but like, what am I doing? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, cause I mean, like I write things that I'm interested in to a point, but some of them it's still a slog. So, yeah. I mean, 
what I've come to learn and I do write my own personal stuff. I'm working on a book proposal right now. So I've really had to okay. kind of reevaluate how I write and what writing means to me. And, and it really is about just doing the work. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's not about inspiration. I, I'm a Pisces rising. So I'd like to think that I'm always like connected to the divine and creativity. And I just write when it inspires me, but no, that's <laughs> not like reality. Yeah. And it's really about getting your butt in the chair. Um, and finding out like what inspires you about the piece, what can make it fun. I, I tend to write a lot in with my voice, even with the publication, because it's it's my byline. So I adhere to the tone of the publication, but I do try to make it mine. So I, I do write kind of funny, I think. You um, do, okay. you do. You have been <laughs> cracking up sometimes. And I love that about your writing. And I think the people that are pitching you, I mean, I know for myself, I find that so much fun because I'm like, oh, I can be myself when I reach out to you mm -hmm. because you also reciprocate that type of like, fun conversation. And let's be honest, like sometimes publications can get a little, or like writing can get a little stuffy when you're reading it. You're like, Ugh, I don't want to read the rest of this article. So for me, yeah. it's exciting to read something that has a tone or has a personality in, in the piece. Um, I actually want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of interviews, because it's so funny. I see this on the back end where I'm the publicist and my clients like really want to talk to the writers, which I think makes more sense for both of us too, because they're able, when they're writing um, an interview, they can really say what they want to say and get their point across. Um, I remember when I first started my career and I was in music PR, I had big musicians and like a lot of the writers would want to talk to them. Since then, it's actually transitioned as well. But like, I remember writer or I remember musicians coming back to me or the manager coming back to me and saying like oh we forgot to add this or can you tell them that I, we don't want this to be included or the story would go live and they'd be like I didn't say that meanwhile we have it recorded and transcribed yeah. and yes you did say that and so it does it it makes our lives so much easier and it is best for everyone in the long run, like you said. So it's kind of funny when you mentioned that, cause I was like, I agree. But like, sometimes people get so excited and they're like, Oh, I want to, I want to interview and talk to the writer. And I'm like, listen, this is, this is the best. <laughs> we should do it. <laughs> we should do an email interview. Trust me. I know. I know. The one time I regret that was when Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso, I did not know him. The cool. show did not air. I did not know who this Brett Goldstein guy was. I was I, I was writing for Final Draft, which I still do. And they're like, do you want to interview this guy named Brett Goldstein? I was like, I don't know who the hell this guy is. And I was so busy. And they didn't even show me a screener of Ted Lasso. I was like, what the hell is about soccer? I was like, you know what? I was so busy at that time. I was like, let's just, yeah. do, an email, let's just do an email interview. Yeah. And now you're like, shit. <laughs> and I was like, what? Brianne, oh, you could have had a Zoom call with Brett Goldstein. You could have fell in love. Like, what the hell? <laughs> anyway, but yes, other than other than that, email interview. <laughs> other than that, other than that, yeah, I totally agree. Imagine if like uh, John Mayer's manager is like, "Hey, so um, Brianne, I would like you to interview him for us." Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Imagine I'll, I'll fly anywhere. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we do this in person? Yeah, well, I'll do an in-person interview. It's necessary. Oh, um, have you ever done any of those? No, um, not really. No, no, I don't think so. It's not really needed, I think, unless you're doing TV. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I would just be curious. I don't know if that's like an industry standard. I've done, um, phoners before phoners. Do you, yeah. Yeah. Phoners. Yeah. Yeah. Phoners. Yeah. Yeah. That's an industry (laughs) turn. They'll be like, Oh, it's a phoner. Meaning it's an interview on the phone. Um, but, um, yeah, it is kind of funny too. Like I've done it multiple ways. I would love to hear your perspective on this. Like if it's weird or awkward, I've done it multiple ways where clients have wanted me to introduce them, or maybe I've wanted to introduce them. So I'll like hop on the call for yeah. interviews and then I'll like either disappear or I'll just mute myself, yeah, but yeah. I kind of like to like send them on their own if they feel comfortable. Cause I feel like it's just easier and like, it, it's more comfortable for both parties. Like they, I'm sure it might feel like, or maybe it doesn't for some people, but like having the publicist there, like might be uncomfortable. So I I like to send them off on their own, but also different agencies of different standards. So my old job, they're like, oh, you need to introduce them. And I'm like, I don't really think that I should be introducing them. (laughs) Yeah. That's happened to me on phoners for sure. Even with zoom meetings, especially during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, and I find though, it's really with like a uh, high profile clients that yeah. they, they have the PR people. Uh, he's on the phone right now. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, and it's so weird. <laughs> I've, like, I've been there. I've done it. And I'm like, uh, introducing blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, I'm going to let you guys take it away. Like, it's so weird. It's like, you're pulling out a red carpet for them. You're like, yes. now introducing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, get out of here. Like, I mean, cause I, I, because I write for final draft a lot or I, yeah, I still do. Um, but in, mm-hmm. I, I, for years, I was I was interviewing a lot of producers and directors and writers. So Hollywood, LA is just kind of like that. They're like, oh, yeah. he, he's on the phone right now. Okay. Connecting you with Brienne. I'm like, oh, just, <laughs> we just talk for people, like people, I mean, like Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> it is pretty funny though. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense for some high profile clients yeah. and I've done it before too, but it is kind of funny. Like even when I'm doing it, I always am just like LOLing in the background. I'm like, this is so weird. Like we all know it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so in those, in those instances too, like that's when an email interviews somewhat out of the question yeah. because they're so busy. Um, mm. They just, they don't have the time, which maybe they don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah. So for those, for those kinds of like, you know, I don't know, I never interviewed like an A-lister, but we're in that, in that, you know, world, they usually only do phoners. Yeah. So um, it's just the nature of the business. So you're just like, okay, I guess I'll be transcribing this because like a 10 minute interview can take like 20, 30 minutes to transcribe it. Like that's, that's the thing. It's like double the time, if not more of, yeah. of, of the interview. So yeah, it's just, it's just a bummer when that happens. Do you ever use the Otter AI? I was going to ask the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I have a thing with AI. I, don't it, I mean, it's fair to have a thing with AI. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, now, especially as a writer, it's like a weird place to be in. So it's like, I don't really want to, weird... I don't yeah. really want to give attention to AI right now. So yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. it's a weird thing for us too. Bridget and I have spoken about it, me being a publicist and I've heard people in the background also asking me like, Oh, can't you just ask AI to write a pitch? And like, you can, and I've tried it out before to like, see like, hmm, what does it say? But it will never, I mean, maybe it will in the future, which like, okay. But as of right now, it does not add your personality, your personal touch. So, I mean, you could use it as like a foundation if you want, but I personally like the creativity. Like I do have that as an option and I don't use it. I just, yeah. write, 
packages because it's more fun for me. This is what makes my job exciting and fun. And mm-hmm. it's what, what we stand for in visibility on purpose. Really. It's like, how do we create these real human connections with people? How do we help our clients, our clients that are in these spaces that are so um, important to us, like spaces where they're making a difference in spirituality, healing, health, wellness, having conversations that normally wouldn't be had on the internet. Like how do we then bridge this gap between their businesses, getting that exposure, but also like creating relationships so we can all grow together. Yeah. I feel like it comes back to like everything that you kind of started with Brian, which is the relationships and the people and being human. Like that's mm-hmm. what's going to always differentiate each and every one of us at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't it more fun to connect with people (laughs) in, in a real way? Like, isn't it more fun to build relationships and, and to have that like easy rapport with people and, and to not get mad at someone if they don't answer Mm -hmm. you back on an email, like, isn't it more fun that way where like you can have so much more fun. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just, and it's easier. Like you want to make your life easier. And I think you make your life easier when, when you're true to yourself and you see someone else as, as a, you know, like a person mm-hmm. and you don't make it a personal, you know what I mean? So don't make yeah. it, it's not personal. Yeah. It's not personal. We're just doing business. And I so look forward to writing to certain writers, um, pitching certain writers. Like I just got an email a few days ago from a writer I've been pitching for years and she has written across so many different outlets Vogue. She's done Elle, Mind Body Green, Allure. And she also does some spiritual content. So she mostly is in the beauty world, but because I used to do beauty PR, we mm-hmm. have this like really big background. We've been working together for years. I never met her. She lives in LA, but like, I love getting updates on her life. Like she just sent me this whole email life update. And I'm like, this is so nice that I get mm-hmm. to like have this conversation with her. And like, I know what's going on in her dating life. And I know that like, she lives on the beach in this beautiful condo now and she's sold her house. It's like, this is what makes our lives fun, especially when we're working from home Mm -hmm. and only in our email all day long. And I can't even imagine being on the other side. Like I'm a publicist emailing all day long and I I'm in my email all day, but like you are receiving all of that content and then you're writing and then you're sifting through pitches. So there's a lot of background that you're doing. So it just makes life so much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I just, I, and I want to build relationships too. Like that's the thing it's, you have to know that on the other side, like that's what people are, at least people like me, I can't speak for every writer, mm-hmm. um, but people I think who are more, um, I don't know, I think just open to life and I just fun people. So just connect with fun people like this, like that's, you know, don't, don't waste your time because you want to find your people. I guess that's the point. Yeah. Find yeah, your totally. people, like whatever that is. I mean, I don't know, not everyone's going to vibe with me and that's fine because I don't vibe with everyone else. And so you kind of have to be okay with that too. You can't always think like, um, everyone. Yeah. Like I said before, just don't take it personally and you're not going to vibe with any, everyone and that's okay. You're going to find who you're going to find. And, yeah. and, and that's, what's going to build a relationship. And those are the relationships you want to build with. You want to build relationships with people who, who are like you, who get you. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like what you mentioned before, you can really tell somebody's tone and their intentions in their emails. There was, um, there's certain in, you know, some top tier is amazing there. You, you contribute to top tier, but there's 
there were certain writers at like Vogue that Vogue, it's such a love hate because I love Vogue and it's like such a prestigious, like beautiful outlet. But I did work with writers in the past at Vogue where they're just like so used to getting like Louis Vuitton and Dior and yeah. Chanel. Mm -hmm. And I would pitch these indie brands that are beautiful and like I would think they would be perfect fit, whatever. Anyways, they always want like samples and then they wouldn't cover the products and they would only cover these high-end products, but they still wanted samples and mm -hmm. kind of, it just like, it's a weird relationship sometimes when it doesn't feel authentic and you can feel that. And it's like, ah, so anyways, that's yeah. something that I've experienced, but, um, I, Bridget asked me a really funny question before we hopped on and I was like, oh my God, I never asked you this. Mm -hmm. What is the cringiest or maybe as of late cringiest pitches that you've received? Oh gosh. I don't even remember anymore. That's like a fun question to ask. <laughs> it, it is a fun question. If I remembered, I don't, I don't even, I don't even remember about a cringy pitch anymore. I really don't. I get a lot of boring ones now. Like, yeah. so I just get, because I do a lot of health and wellness and I get a lot of like the medical ones and they're like, this is a great discovery. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. Like, I mean, I'm sure it is a Innovative. great discovery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm sure it's a great discovery, but it's just, you know, again, it just depends on where I can put the, put the story. But as I said to you, Lydia, before, um, I have a file on my computer. Now, again, this is just me, but I have a file of PR sources. So it labeled. And so when I get an email from a source that I don't find, I don't have a place for, but I like the idea, or I, I know that they're in that space. And I know that I mm. always have to talk to health and wellness people or relationship people. I just put them in my little folder. Mm. So I will go through my folder when I have a pitch or when I have a story that I'm writing and I will go to that folder and just like not too long ago, I emailed someone and she was like, wow, I sent you this email like a year ago. And I was like, yeah, but, <laughs> I, but I, but I need you now. So, you know, and so like, anyways, I just wanted to just mention that because again, it's all about timing and just because you don't get a response from someone, it doesn't mean that they're not thinking about you. It doesn't mean that they haven't like thought about it, but just let, you know, I don't know, as I said, like, I'm, and I can't email everybody and say, I'm going to put this in a folder. Like you can't. Right. Like, right. Like, right. We have like, to just trust yeah. the process. Trust the process. Yeah. Yeah. We tell our students this all the time that there's so many reasons why we don't get responses. Me as a publicist, some of our clients that are pitching with our, um, with our, what is it? Like help you know, yeah, it, yeah. they'll, they'll get discouraged and be like, well, I pitched 10 people and they didn't respond. And like, that's okay. Because sometimes it's just about timing. And I pitch a lot of people and there's a lot of stories. If we think about the enormity of the internet, it's like a double-edged sword because there are so many opportunities, but there's also so much content. So it yeah. really depends on timing. Also, like I'm sure your editors are telling you what stories they want to focus on right now and things like that, or maybe they have yeah. their own editorial calendars, especially for print. There's, there's literally specific topics for yeah. the publications that are already chosen a year in advance. So, which is crazy to think about. I mean, I know we're always going to be doing like holiday gift guides when it comes to holiday season, but there might be topics. It might be like holiday for wellness or like something like that. So just keeping in mind that like the writers, if they don't respond to you, 
like Brienne, like if the, if she's not responding to every single person, cause she gets thousands of pitches a day, like she may just be filing you away. And I've gotten so many emails over the years from pitches that I've sent a year prior, six months prior. And I love those. I think it's so much fun and exciting. I'm like, Oh, Hey, I forgot yeah. about this one. And so it, it really is like kind of a beautiful process. It's a humbling process. Um, and it allows us to also like if you want to get spiritual with it, like lay in the idea of divine timing too, which I think is fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I also want to mention too, about if I may, I was just thinking about when I got pitches accepted to like the BBC and the Washington post and L and those are my first times trying. So I got, I got, I sold a pitch on the first try for wow. three of those outlets. It is. And I'll say why. It is because it's really hard to do. And I'll say yeah. why I, I think, and, I, and I'll say why I think it happened was because, was because like, I knew exactly what I wanted to say and I knew mm -hmm. my story and I knew my connection to the story. And I, and it was so authentic to me. Like the L, the L article was about my relationship with my mother who has Asperger's very super personal, but relatable to other people and, and very personal to me. And uh, the Washington Post one was about being single and the idea of dying alone. Super intense and deep, but hey, real, it's a reality. A lot of people die reality. alone, yeah. right? And again, it's so it's like, it's going there to those places like mm -hmm. inside of you that are, that could be very vulnerable mm -hmm. and could be uh, like vulnerable to like the nth degree. But also if you want, again, everyone has their comfort level, but like to me, if you want to share your story, you have to be willing to go there and to yep. know that it's worth it though, because by you being brave like that and, sh and sharing who you are, you're helping people. You may not even know it. You may never hear about it. You may not get an email, but again, with the trust thing, you have to trust that the, the people who need your story is going to, they're going to read it. So, and it's up to you to tell that story. And sometimes that's the gift of, 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 of like why you went through what you did is so you can share it with other people. So, and I have to remind myself all the time because it's hard to do, but that's what it is. Wow. Yeah. I'm hearing like, be bold, be real, be you. And remember that there's a human on the other side reading what you're sending them. Yeah. Need, it's almost like sales. Like we need to connect to the heart of the person who's going to be purchasing, you know, the product or service. And we can bring that same philosophy of gosh, we should just label this being human. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. So I, there's a, a friend of mine, he, I shared with him my stories for the first time. Cause he hasn't, he hasn't read them before. And he was like, I like what you read or I like reading what you write because it's, it's human. And I'm, and I get that. And he's like, I, I can read articles and it's like repeating the same words over and over and over again. It's the yes. SEO practices, like it's all that. And he was like, and I don't like to read those, but I like what you write because it's human. It's informational, obviously, but there's something about it that I can connect to and that I want to continue writing or reading. Mm -hmm. I should say I have writing on the brain. Um, <laughs> but I think that's the point is like, you have to remember that there are people on the other side reading it. Yeah, they, they are, and they know what they want to read. And if they don't like what they're going to read, they're not going to read it. So yeah. it's, it's not just about selling to the point of like, I have to get a byline. I have to do this. It's like, no, like you have to remember that people are going to read what you have to say. They're going to read what you write. So 
Yeah. Like, so come from that perspective of, 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 again, it's a shared experience between the reader and the, the piece, you know? Yeah. I have full body chills right now. Um, just because I feel so strongly about this. I feel like such a nerd talking about it. And Bridget does too. That's why we literally do what we do, but like we go really deep into what is your story and how can you share what you learned from your past? Not like, you know, sit there, but like, how can you use that as a tool to tell a story? And it's always all about the stories over your credentials and your expertise. Like I've seen so many people write pitches and it's literally just like, I've done this and I've done that. And it's like, okay, where's the story? Like, where's the relatability? Where's what, what are you trying to get across here? And it's a, a big reframe. And so that's something that we focus on um, in our program. And I'm so grateful that you shared that point today. Cause I was like, yes, yes, yes. But, um, oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here today. What a freaking gift. I just love you. I love connecting with you. I know everyone's going to get so much out of this episode. So, um, I would like to close out with where can we find you? Um, what things are you working on? I, I know you have a lot going on. You've, you've published books in the past and you have also your podcast, Do You with Brian Hogan. I love your podcast. So please tell us all the things. Okay. Well, thank you so much first for having me. It was so lovely to chat. Um, I, love, I love talking about writing. I realize that more and more, the more that I talk about it, because it's, it yeah. is it is what, it's what I do and, mm -hmm. I, and I like talking about it. But anyway, so you can find me um, on Instagram, Brie Hogan my website, Brianne Hogan. I have a newsletter. I also have a Substack newsletter that I will be um, relaunching in July. And that one's going to be more focused on love and relationships because I've realized that like, that's sort of my space and my jam. And um, I think there's a lot for me to share. So I'll be sharing a lot of my own stories and um, regurgitating a lot of my old articles. I have thousands and thousands and thousands of love and relationship <laughs> articles. So that will be fun to do and go back down memory lane. Um, I also have a podcast with Lydia mentioned, Do You with Brianne Hogan. And I'm also, Lydia, I want to talk about this with you, but I'm also relaunch. I'm going to launch a new podcast. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> and and, and um, it's about love and magic. So I want to talk about that. So, um, but yeah, that's not, that's not launching anytime soon, but probably hopefully in the fall. Um, I think that's everything. <laughs> Amazing. You're such a just wealth of knowledge. And also I love that you have tied in some of your just like spiritual humanness into your work. I think it's really important that we get to be all those layers of ourselves as we, you know, our professional beings, but also spiritual humans. Yeah. Oh, right. I have two astrology books. I forgot about yes. that. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <Tell us. laughs> I think so. we all have strong Capricorn placements, right? Bridget, you, you have Capricorn too. I'm a Capricorn North node. You are right? rising. Capricorn rising. rising. Yep. I have a Cap I'm a Capricorn sun and Capricorn stellium. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lots of Capricorn. <laughs> Proud you're just getting shit done. Getting yeah, shit so, done is our motto. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff going on all the time. Sometimes I just can't, you know, relax. But yeah, so um, I have two astrology books. They're on my website. One's about friendships and astrology, and the other one's about self care and astrology. So yeah, to, to your point about the magic thing, I think it's always been a part of me, and so I'm just grateful that I've been able to write about it and and then have books about it. So and I think we're all magic, so we kind of have to remember that. Like, I think that's the point of life is that we have to remember we're all magic. So, yeah. <laughs> 
What a perfect note to end on. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod and make sure to connect with Brianne on all the platforms. Bye everyone. Bye. Thanks, Brianne. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow along with us on Instagram at Visibility on Purpose or jump into our free Facebook community. It's called Visibility on Purpose Community. Please give us a five-star review, rate us, write us a little comment if you feel so inclined. We are so grateful to have you here on this journey with us.